Welcome to the Evolving Spiritual Practice Podcast. My name is Ralph Cree. This is brought to you in association with www.bodyheartmindspirit.co.uk. In this episode, I talk to Jeff Salzman, who's kind of a hero of mine. I've been listening to his podcast for about 10 years. His podcast is called The Daily Evolver. And uh, we talk about the three main worldviews out there, traditionalism, modernity, and postmodernism, and uh, how they are uh, working together in the culture wars out there in the world, but how they also work inside us in our own culture war, inside our own sense of self, and how when we engage with all three of these um, worldviews and sort of sort out the, the, the best aspects of them, and um you know push well push away maybe not the right word but um uh try and move away from the the downsides of 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 them the unhealthy parts of them how this can be really transformative for ourselves and our culture and it's actually what i would define as a spiritual practice engaging with the politics the world of politics and these three worldviews expands our sense of identity and making us stronger, bigger, more inclusive, and wiser. So I uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do too. So Jeff Salzman, um, great pleasure to welcome you onto the Evolving Spiritual Practice podcast. Thank you, Ralph. It's good to be here. So it's a, 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 an amazing moment for me because I have listened to your podcast for ten years. Um, <laughs> I think I've listened to every single episode and wow. um, really loved it. It's called the the Daily Evolver podcast. And one, so I think, yes, what I wanted to explore with you today is uh, just sort of tee up the conversation here that I very, very loosely define spiritual practice as any activity that... Um, expands our sense of identity so it's, it's you know it's a pretty it's a pretty loose on purpose definition very, of spiritual practice. very good back pocket definition though Thank isn't you. it <laughs> and so i i your show is a lot about politics and i been a kind of you know when i was a very much a postmodern spiritual seeker politics was just anathema to spirituality to me and I just I couldn't find any place for it in my life um, and anyone who was interested in it I thought was just missing the point of life basically you know and that there was this whole kind of spiritual thing which was much more interesting and deep and all that kind of stuff and then I kind of I, I started listening to your podcast and I became a politically awakened through listening to your podcast it's like oh, I'd, ne I'd never found politics interesting or or in or relevant or important or even transformative and so I, so I listened to your podcast and I felt myself become a bigger person and I became literate in these three major worldviews which we'll go into in a minute which are represented in the culture wars which we see at the moment um 
And as a result of that, you know, I felt bigger, but I also had access to media conversations, literature from all of these worldviews, which I'd kind of shut myself off from uh, some of these other aspects because I felt they, if I touched them, I'd become infected. <laughs> so it's, uh, um, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, you know, sort of teeing, teeing it up. Um, so is there anything you wanted to say at, at this point? Wow. Um, well, first of all, wow, thank you. And I'm glad that, that somebody was listening. Sometimes I feel like I'm tossing it into a well, but um, it's uh, great to hear that. And yeah, in terms of politics as a, as a spiritual path, that still is even hard for me to wrap my head around. <laughs> but it is, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's where, let's just put it this way, it's where the energy is, hmm. you know? I mean, there's a lot of energy there. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the things, you know, I, I come from an evolutionary view, a view of a culture and consciousness evolving or growing, basically. Hmm. And that the, the, the next stage of growth is going to be where we take diversity beyond post-modernity, where it's, you know, defined by liberal values, world centrism, um, you know, deep uh, 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 deeply seeing each other, you know, that sort of thing, that, uh, that green diversity or diversity of postmodernism mm -hmm. is still not willing to accept people who live in other worldviews. And I refer to them as world spaces, you know, yeah. that there are three major world spaces online at the current time. And there are others too but three major ones. Could you just, and, for people listening, like describe those, you know, what are those three, you know, represented in what we call the culture wars? Uh, yeah, in general, yeah, absolutely, Please. yeah. Well, the first is traditionalism. And traditionalism is seen by the others as ethnocentric. They do sort of like to keep to their own. They have a deep sense of their culture and history, ancestors, it matters what your grandfather did to my grandfather at that stage, it, it, or in that view. Um, it's, it, it's religious, it's socially conservative, and it is, um, um, you know, that's, it, it's, it's the right wing of politics. So that's the one view, traditionalism. Then there's modernism. And modern, modernism is drops God. You know, all of that is explained away by science and rationality. That is what really defines the modernists. They're world-centric, not ethnocentric. Um, they are um, world-centric, I would say, in the exteriors, that is. They're able to see the systems of the world. They're able to mine the iron ore here and make the cars there and have these whole big systems of systems that are you know, basically the capitalist system. Um, they um, value individual rights. That is, uh, you know, the, the American Constitution, the French Revolution, these are the first real uh, institutionalizations of modernist thought. And, um, you know, they, they sort of uh, find themselves in the middle in the culture wars. You know, we have the business people who are modern, 
uh, they tend to lean to the right. We have the academics who are modern, they tend to lean to the left. And that gets us to this third worldview. And that's the worldview of postmodernity. And postmodernity is a sort of a reaction to what happened in the first half of the 20th century, where you know industry and capitalism and and, and weaponry uh, and science was you know put to basically traditionalist goals. Traditionalists tend to want to conquer each other, and here we have modern weaponry, and you know the whole thing, the whole idea of um, of one culture being superior to another or um, these triumphalist stories of my God or my culture all wanna be wiped away at post-modernity. And so we have uh, people who uh, become very sensitive to each other. The whole world of psychology and the, the idea of the human psyche, the unconscious comes online. That's really not seen in earlier um, in, in, in these different worldviews in the same way. And that sensitivity, multiculturalism, wanting to fix the wrongs of the other worldviews. So, you know, traditionalism tends to divide the world between saints and sinners, people who are with me or against me, good and evil. Modernism divides the world between winners and losers, people who can thrive in the system and those who can't. And post-modernity wants to bring those people into the fold. And so that's why we see you know, the, the, the woke culture, this deep multiculturalism, this extra sensitivity that's baffling to these other worldviews. But it's very real and it's doing its job in post-modernity. So these three worldviews are all online. None of them understand or like the others. And the two, uh, traditionalism and postmodernity, are at war. And so that's what we have. Um, but um, the opportunity we all have as individuals is to. Well, so that culture war is not only out there, it's inside all of us. Yes. And um, if you think of the psychology of multiple selves, which is quite a popular way of looking at psych psych psychology these days. Uh, you know, back in Freud's time, it was there was this monolithic self um, self, but then you know now we're sort of softening that up a bit with um, things like voice dialogue, uh, and then even the scientific study of uh, people that you know, have multiple self disorder, as it's called, you know, where you can have really extreme cases where one of your multiple selves needs eyeglasses and the other one doesn't, or one's allergic to strawberries, you know, and um, um, so the opposite, so, I mean, each of these worldviews have dignities and disasters, uh, in yes. other words, things that are very beneficial to you and things which are toxic. And if you can um, identify the wholesome, beneficial aspects of e that reside in each of these three worldviews, and you nurture those inside yourself, I really believe that you can, um, it makes you a better person, a stronger person, a bigger person, more, uh, 
uh, more fluid um, and at the same time letting in the downside of these worldviews helps you disembed from them so um, you know when when I was uh, very much solely identified with um, post the postmodernity in my 20s when I was at university I had kind of I just had cut off myself myself off from rationality and you know people like the new atheists just drove me crazy I just couldn't if I saw a picture of Richard Dawkins I just wanted to burn it <laughs> but then as I kind of chilled out a bit and I got more familiar with the upsides of these three worldviews I started to start to listen to you know Sam Harris again somebody I used to really hate I started to listen to interviews with him and you know I, I actually eventually became a subscriber to his podcast you know using his meditation app reading his books totally enriched my life you know um, I'm not saying I'm that's all I'm into but it was it was an entire thing and then you know, the other thing is, um, you know, that some of the, the strengths of the th traditionalism, which is this very juicy relationship with gods and goddesses, which, you know, I, I kind of thought was was quaint and, you know, like belonged in my village church, which is full of old ladies and, and old guys warbling along to hymns and stuff. But I suddenly realized there was this richness, which... Uh, you know, I had I'd I'd cut off from myself, and 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 actually, inside there was a deep yearning for a relationship with the divine, um, which I've been so grateful to to reconnect with that. And it's and 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 yes. you know, yeah. Uh, there's just a couple of examples. There's there's loads more that we can explore about. I mean, it's something I would like to go into is what are the the upsides of these worldviews. Um, yep. The, the, the reasons why, like what's in it for us to actually let these things into ourselves and let them change us. Because, yes. you know, we're kind of, I think the disgust reflex is, is a deeply seated biological and um, psychological reflex that we have. And there are things, you know, it's a bit like that kind of obsession with Satanism and stuff that, if we we feel like if we touch something from the enemy, it's going to just colonize us like a virus. And, exactly. and I, I think I, I want to suggest to people that we are more robust than that. And yes. um, that the, the sort of the downsides are what we worry are going to become the virus and consume us. But there's yes. these other wholesome aspects which we want to let in too. Yeah. Well, if we look at traditionalism, uh, that the deep family, the connection, that's very important in traditionalism. And the sense of living in an enchanted world, that this world is not my home, it, it's, it's their answer to the existential question that modernity and postmodernity don't have any better answers to, frankly, which is, who are we? What are we doing here? Where are we going? What is the point of this? How do we live in the midst of this horror on one hand, clearly, and goodness, truth, and beauty on the other. And so everybody's making sense of that. And what makes sense with traditionalists is the love of Almighty God that is pouring into them. And, um, and, and I, I, unfortunately, 
that comes with the devil too. I mean, this is this is the stage. It's absolute. It's called the absolutistic, um, you know, w- worldview, where it's one way or the other, and so they're fighters. Fighting is a big part of that, and we can see in traditionalist cultures. Uh, you know, traditionalist. When you have a culture that is traditional, it's that's those are the cultures who are warring more than modern cultures generally don't war with each other. Modern cultures war with traditional cultures, but not with each other. Uh, and that that's sort of interesting. So there is there's this fight going on, and so traditionalists will other the other worldviews. I mean, they don't want any part of us. They do not think the sexual revolution was a good idea. Uh, they don't like moving away from the family. They don't want to have their world disenchanted. You know, they don't want that. They don't want to forget about their ancestors. They're alive. So there's some deep liquid space in traditionalism that frankly is missing. It is in modern and Postmodern tries to get it back in different ways, but modernity, it gets very arid. Oh, I just, just want to say that, you know, it, we've really got this going on in the UK at the moment, and it, it, I see it in, in America, that the sort of political rights or the traditionalists have, they are really energised. They know what they're doing. They know what, they, you know, they, they, they were on a mission. They're coordinated. You know, they've got a real tribal unity and they are just politically successful and um you know the the uh, in the labor party in uh, which is the kind of equivalent of the democrats uh for you guys um are really kind of they're broken apart uh particularly along these two lines which hopefully we'll explore in a bit but um and so, you know, just looking at that fact alone, and I think a lot of people on, on the left couldn't deny that there is something the right is doing right, doing correctly here. And they've got this thing because it, it's working and they are, um, you know, I think that someone just summarized uh, recently the, the Labour Party as kind of, um, you know, they, they've just basically had this little period of success with Tony Blair uh, and then it's just been that's been it really in terms of being in power and you, you've got to start asking questions like you know what so with it, I think that kind of points to that that what you describe as the louche the liquid just that kind of it's almost like a pranic energy it is indeed. You know, that, that we lose if we if we lose that that sense yep. of the tradition yeah and it's tied to we don't call them traditionalists for nothing it's tied to tradition. And so what they're fighting is a modernist and postmodernist worldview that wants to discount Britishness, mm. Englishness, um, whatever it is, that, that sense of being a people. And yeah, that does exclude, you know, actually a part of this is the downside of traditionalism. It really, from their point of view, it's like one of my friends told me when uh, Obama was coming on the scene, he said, you know, he's not an American like you and I are, Jeff. You know, just that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, that's the downside. But the <laughs> upside is, is that, in the, and this is where as, 
moving into this a, a newer, integrated, bigger identity, we want to tease that apart and say, okay, this ethno thing is really tricky, but there's something there. Yeah. And there's something we see it all across the world with Russians, Hungarians. These people are not going to let their Russianness and Hungarianness go. Uh, and and it as you say, it, away. It, it really energizes them. Yes. And then you you lose that that energy just kind of it, it leaks out in this kind of like malaise and um, nihilism that that kind of happens a little bit with the postmodernism. But yes. um, you know we had a classic example of this recently. Keir Starmer, who's the leader of the Labour Party. There was this kind of push in the, in the Labour Party to have the Union Jack flag in the background, you know, of, of his promo shots, and they were all a bit squeamish about this. You know, it's like because their their voter base is really split between the kind of like um, people that are economically on the left but socially conservative, um, you know, uh, blue collar working. They're, you know, they're the historic Labour voters, but then you've got this kind of metropolitan London, um, highly educated professional classes, lots of money, but they read The Guardian and they're into environmentalism. And, you know, they, they, they look at the union flag, they want to be sick. Um, but, I, I, you know, there's a difference between um, patriotism and nationalism. And I think, you know, so I feel, I feel really patriotic. I think, I think Britain is, a, is an amazing place. I love this land. You know, the actual land we live on. Oh, know, my the, God. The ocean, the cliffs, the fields, the animals that live here, the, the vegetation, the tree, you know, just that kind of. But I don't feel the same way about uh, my race. You know, it, like na nationalism's kind of like tied up with that race idea, which really... Um, I'm not so interested in, you know, that for me, that's not the, the, the good bit. <laughs> there. Uh, patriotism is, is healthy and wholesome. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and, and it's interesting that you talk about the land. And I would say that virtually every uh, culture has that same connection to the land of their ancestors. Hmm. You know, that's just the, that's, it's hard to overstate the what do you say about that it's pranic right it is it's it's energetic it's happening in the energy fields and and that is um you know britain has great a great couple islands there uh, no doubt yeah. about it yeah and we have our sea to shining sea and um you know so there's that and um and then there's uh and this is something that um, I think we can see if we look at all three of these cultures and try as best we can not to get magnetized and disgusted and repulsed <laughs> and try, you know, try to hold them all, is that there is, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this, I know it's true in America, and it's probably true, and I know it's true in the UK, that there's a grievance story and there's a gratitude story. And the gratitude story is that, um, you know, you brought on the... Uh, industrial revolution and 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 you know you you created the modern world and you have the, the great literature and uh, the amazing achievements of the british people and that's one thing and then also the culture you've created 
which is, you know, by most standards of human history would be seen as paradise. There's enough to eat. There's, you know, every pe people are peaceful for the most part, you know, by his any historic standards, amazing, you know, so great. The downside is all the colonization, in our case, the slavery. Um, and and there's, there are, both of those stories are true. Yeah. And they're both well told. Now, uh, you know, traditionalists only want to tell the one story. Postmodernists who want to deconstruct these triumphalist stories, thank God, they only want to tell the other story. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. So forget. They both in. I don't yeah. know. So you, you practice. Yeah, it's, it's so it's, it's sort of yeah. Forget forget all the the the, the, the progress and the um, you know that's happened with this. It's just colonialism. Mic drop. You know, it's just like, yeah. hey, colonialism. Mic drop. Everything else is shit. You know, that's just <laughs> that's like the ultimate poison. And, and and so you know what you and I here are saying. Colonialism. You know we know it's really awful and um we're not wouldn't want uh, uh, to for that to happen in the future at all or happen now you know and it's like we can leave that behind but you know let's not chuck away um you know i'm just what i'm losing here you know zoom uh microphones um the internet enough food crippling so lifespans enough to eat yeah. i yeah. mean <laughs> our problem is eating too much I know. What? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from a historical perspective. Yeah. So, and, you know, and, we wanted- There's also that, you know, the, there's a grievance story with with all of these worldviews. You know, yes. with, the, with the traditionalism, it's, you know, it's it's the, 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 the bad, the good news is, you know, Jesus, the Lord, or, you know, Muhammad, all that stuff. And the, the bad news is the devil. The grievance is, you know, all of these other perverted people, you know, polluting our- our good morals and ethics and and then with modernity you know this they sort of i'm thinking you know, people like stephen pinker do a really good job of showing the benefits you know the the, the abundance um uh uh but but there's this like kind of religious people are like a mind virus and um and these kind of woke people are just rotting all of our minds and it's uh, you know that's their kind of grievance story um so and i think so i mean this is one thing i wanted to touch on that the grievance stories is is basically to do with fear you know with the traditionalism you've got the sort of satanic evil influences um modernity you're kind of afraid of the um all of this amazing stuff we've built up over these centuries being torn down by this sort of nihilism of uh, post-modernity and then the kind of uh, warfare of traditionalism and terrorism, all that kind of thing. Um, and then in post-modernity, you've got the kind of, um, you know, that sort of celebration of multiculturalism and and all of that. But this, this deep fear of the, this precipice that they feel we're coming towards with environmental collapse and social collapse. And, you know, there's so much fear in that. And one of the things that I noticed had changed me when I became engaged with these three worldviews, you know, through your podcast and um, 
uh, doing a lot of psychotherapy over the years and, and things like this and connecting with these different parts of, that are in my, myself is a huge mass of fear just just evaporated so it's like i you know I, i'm not so i was thinking earlier when you're saying about the the downside of belief in god is that is that the devil comes with it i actually uh, the devil does not is not feature in my life at all and in fact i i don't really even have a room for evil and i'm not saying i'm polyannerish you know life is painful suffering's real you know uh, disease death war all of that stuff it's, it's absolutely horrible and it touches all of our lives. Um, but I'm just not interested in the devil, evil, all of that stuff. Um, I think you just hit on, you know, what can we take and what can we leave? Yeah. I took God and left the devil too. Uh, because I think that the devil is basically the ignorance and provincialism and smallness that has us, you know, operating in a way as adult children um, that um, we can let go of. And as we continue to increase our uh, appreciation and cognition really of other worlds and worldviews and people and let them in, the devil goes away, you know, to me. Mm. Um, but, you know, sounds like something like that for you too. <laughs> so i mean we're just we're we're living testimony that that, that can happen <laughs> don't take our word for it you know try it out <laughs> <laughs> so you know if we were to kind of shift our gaze to modernity's you know good news and bad news story um i think i, I think that, you know there is this worry that it it takes a lot of effort and time to build something and it's very quick to destroy it. So, you know, you've you've built all these social institutions and laws and um, you know town planning and all this in, all this in, systemic infrastructure all over the the planet. And um, to throw it all away would be a massive shame, which I agree with. Um, but you know, worrying about sort of religious fundamentalism taking over people's minds um you know i'm thinking of like richard dawkins having those slogans on the bus saying something like you know god doesn't exist so just don't worry you know just chill out um <laughs> relax yeah and um you know that's on the one hand and then this kind of worry about uh, you know sort of jordan peterson is an example of somebody who's very 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 concerned uh, almost hysterical uh, I mean, I like Jordan Peterson, but I think he's gone a bit too far in his kind of hysterical uh, worry about, um, you know, wokeness and the corrosive nature of that. And I mean, yeah. he's worried about totalitarian states and, and all of that kind of thing, which, yeah. I mean, that <laughs> I, I, that worries me if we're heading into that, for sure. But I think, you know, the, there's this kind of overblown fear. Uh, maybe and I don't know whether I you know you and I I think we we tend to be quite optimistic about things and people might accuse us of being Pollyanna-ish mm -hmm. um, but I, I I genuinely don't think this is that this this is this is not a kind of yeah everything's going to be okay kind of blind optimism no I I don't either I, I think it you know if if, if we I, you mentioned Steven Pinker 
you know, I've yet to hear uh, people rebut his core thesis, which is that life has become progressively less violent, more uh, peaceful, more prosperous over time, relentlessly. And um, that that's actually something that we can um, notice and factor in, you know, the idea of France and Germany, for instance, or England going to war with each other. Think about that. What would it take for that to happen at this point? You know, Angela Merkel and Macron, you know, leading the armies through the mud. You know, that's, that's not gonna happen because modern consciousness, which is where, you know, uh, Europe is modern and more postmodern. You have uh, traditionalists too, for sure. Uh, but um, for all of human history, France and Germany fought <laughs> in one way or the other. Mm. I mean, hundreds of times, whether it was tribal or clan or nation, the two big world wars there. So there is something that we can notice and take heart in, in uh, the sort of trajectory of consciousness, I think, actually, in, in humanity. And that is part of the relaxation. I don't worry that woke, I, I, I noticed that woke has totalitarian aspects. Every of the, all three of these worldviews have, you know, they have, they're true believers that would just, what if the world was only except Jesus, or if the world would only become rational, or if the world would only wake up to the oppressions of history, uh, and love everybody, then we'd be okay. They all have that story. Uh, and, um, and, you know, I want to appreciate all those stories. But, um, you know, I don't know if I'm sort of lost here. But, <laughs> well, you I, know. I, I think, uh, so one concept, which is really popular, and when oh, I, go, oh, I, I'm just, I I'm sorry, oh, I was just, go for it, I was yeah. just gonna say, there's a totalitarian aspect to all of these, because they want the world to be their way. And they want these other worldviews to be colonized, essentially. Um, but with, so I, I want to notice that. And, 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 and also notice that it's not likely that wokesters are going to turn into Nazis and take over the country or world. It's just there's too many modern systems, checks and balances, uh, freedom of speech. There's things that have come online in history that, you know, we just went through Trump, yeah. you know. And, and, and America is still standing, you know. It was and America is still standing and 60 yeah. out of 60 judges ruled against him. Um, including, I, I think, a third or more he appointed. And I, you know, I think so. So notice that and take heart in it. Yeah, I mean, what you're pointing to there is the ro the robustness of modernity. That yeah. you know, it survived Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, you know that yeah. that is something amazing, yeah. and, uh, and 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 you know it's um, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> there was this this is concept which 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 really helped me when I when I came across it and it's it's a very popular one now but this idea of strawmanning and strawmanning being taking the worst aspects of of something and then attacking those worst aspects of it and saying look I'm you know look at yeah you know, I've just I've just smashed this stupid idea 
look how flimsy it is and how how strong you know what what uh, my view is but you've basically taken the worst aspects of it it's, it'd be a bit like you and me having a fight and i i'm training i go to a like a, an mma training camp for like two months and uh, and and i insist that you you know don't sleep for for two weeks and and eat mcdonald's the whole time you know and then we have a fight and i win and i go look at me <laughs> you know it's not really that much to be proud about and you know there's this other you know uh counter um view of what they call steel manning where take the best parts of this opposing view you're trying to uh, you know disprove take take the best parts of it show you understand it then then dismantle it and if you do that successfully then you've really won a victory and and i feel that the, those two concepts play very much into the way we treat these worldviews outside out there in the world and inside us it's like you know you kind of worry worried about the straw man you know yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, well, it's what we can. I like that idea of steel manning. Actually, I, I've heard that, but I never heard it explained. And it's the idea that you're um, you're you're identifying the best parts of the arguments of your opponents. Is that right? Yeah. Well, if that's if that's the case, then I'm all for that. I, I do think that part of what we can do as you know, spiritual practitioners who are using politics and worldviews as a, you know, path, yeah. is to um, explain the, the each of these worldviews better than they can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, better than they can themselves. I know. Just in case anyone's listening to this and they're thinking, like, where's the spirituality in this? I I, I have always been um, attracted to tantric spirituality. So mainly through Tibetan Buddhism and the Indian tantric traditions. And just for anyone listening, tantra, tantra is not about sex. <laughs> it's a little bit, um, but the tantric approach to spirituality is you make use of everything you can to, to expand your sense of identity. Um, and you know, sort of it, the traditional view of that is that the, the tantrics, they drink alcohol, they use drugs they eat meat they have sex all the things that religious spiritual people are not allowed to do and then you know we could incorporate we could expand that now in our current spiritual but not religious climate to tantrics use politics too you know it's, it's a it's a dirty one like meat and sex you know it's like politics yes. too this is ta this is tantra this is what tantra looks like in the 21st century yes yes mm. enter the marketplace Get in the yeah, mud. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we do fight our way forward. That's the straw man part, I guess. But you know, we're always looking for the flaw in the in the worldview of the people that we're is our opponent. And we can mm -hmm. find them. I mean, my goodness, they're crazy, these people. Mm -hmm. But you know, there is something absolutely spiritual as a spiritual practice in taking perspectives of listening to another person, particularly somebody who, you know, you have some charge with. And not making it your job to influence them, but to be influenced by them. Mm. What do they got for me? Yeah. What and you can, you can only do they're bringing to the party here. It's no accident that I'm talking to this person. What do they have for me? And, and you can only do that if you're, if you, if you're just a little less afraid. Yeah. That's the yes. first step. 
You know, yeah. what's the worst that can happen? That's the system. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm going to be fine if I you know, let myself into your world. I'm, I, I'm not going to be captured. The door's not going to close behind me, hmm. you know, and then I let you in. And then here's the spiritual part, I think, Ralph, is that we, when we take this perspective and we take this perspective and we take the postmodern and the woke and the MAGA and then this one and the Chinese and the, you know, indigenous and all of them, then at some point, we, our identity is not so much with any set of perspectives or ideology, but with the space within which these are all arising mm. all around us, including in our own psyche. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's a bigger space of identity. Hello, that's a spiritual practice. And that, that brings me back to this thing of the multiple selves that, you know, we are, composed of many sub-personalities and they are distributed across these worldviews and you know one of the great definitions of this uh, multiple selves thing is that you need to use the right self at the right time you know yes, that, exactly and then your life your actions become appropriate and yes. so you know so um if you go to let's say you you know you go to a job interview uh, depending on what organization it is, you, you need to speak the, la the language of that organization. So, I mean, let's say it's a kind of like profit-driven, um, full-on capitalist organization. You, you know, you, you need to speak that language if you want to get that job. If you go in there talking about like Black Lives Matter or, um, you know, Jesus and things like that, you know, you, you, you're not going to get the job. Uh, they're all available to me, actually, which is so great. And when they're all available, and when your identity is uh, with the space in which they're all there, then you realize that that space itself is intelligent, has an intelligence, it has a loving quality. You know, this is where we get into, I, I love personifying that into a divinity, you know. Mm -hmm. And then God tells, tells me what to do. And sometimes I ask my spirit guides, and I don't know who any of these people are, but as a direct practice, I can call on them to let me know which self or which perspective, and I don't even have to do that. They just arise naturally because there's a bigger intelligence at work. Hallelujah. Yeah. And, and if you were a modernist and you were listening to that, the intelligence we're talking about in, in that language is uh, nature. The intelligence of nature yeah you know scientists are always going on about how intelligent nature is you know yeah. um and uh, i think there is a there is actually a mysticism that exists for modernists and i think sam harris is a perfect example of that so you know he is uh consciousness is incredibly fascinating and interesting and mysterious and you don't have to be believe that so you know you could roughly say that um a lot of, you know, sort of tantric hindus or you know believe that consciousness is god so you know shiva translates roughly into modernist language as consciousness and you know you you can be utterly fascinated in consciousness and the mystery of it and the unending you know we just keep digging and digging and digging and unearthing more and more and more you know, that in itself is, is can be a mystical 
spiritual path totally. without having to believe in a theist. I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of Buddhist schools are actually non-theist schools. They're just fascinated in consciousness yeah. and, and mesh very nicely with the modernist thing. So, you know, I mean, that's an example of how somebody who's got a very, very strong modernist sense of self can actually tap into that the, the power of that and that louche and the prana of and elan vital of that view that uh, you know that kind of awe uh yeah no right on um we we haven't touched on postmodernity though we, we we've kind of we with this with this kind of the downside and the the upside and the fear mm -hmm. so is it the, the sort of the grievance story and the fear and why we don't really need to be afraid in quite in the same way and we can we can have a bit more trust in the system um, yeah. Yeah. so that you know the good so perhaps you, if we dive into the grievance story of postmodernity and sort of perhaps say why we don't need to worry so much about it yeah well the grievance story of postmodernity basically postmodern consciousness sees the world as a struggle of power so they want to deconstruct all of the stories of, you know, myths and religions and ethnic, and that's the idea, at least. And so they, they want to have a, so they say, they see a world of power dynamics. And so when they see a world of inequality, and it's not hard to see, you know, yeah. the, uh, the explanation is that somebody's oppressing somebody else. And the upside of that story is it's generally true. The downside of the story is that uh, it, it perpetrates a, a perpetrator-victim sort of um, uh, dynamic. It, it, it can keep people stuck. It, um, can, uh, it, it, it will still demonize people in the power structure, uh, you know, the, the, the the diversity of woke does not include Jerry Falwell or you know Richard Dawkins, actually, obviously, <laughs> recently. Uh, so uh, you know it has its own sort of uh, a bubble beyond which it uh, it won't go. And fair enough, you know it's bringing a lot to the party because you know what it's bringing is this this deep sensitivity. So I want to actually see more deeply than a modernist does uh, into people who have been oppressed. You know, there's still kind of other in with the modern worldview. With traditionalism, they're sort of the enemy. Uh, Post-modernity, I want to bring them in and I want to see them. And I want to see their pain. I want to see the pain of history that arises in them. I want to see all of the karmas, all these, you know, karma is just basically a matrix of cause and effect through time. You know, it's not that hard. It's not that mystical, mystical. And so postmodernity with its sensitivity, it's, it's referred to as the sensitive self. And so it uh, brings a sensitivity to animals. Mm. It brings a sensitivity. It, it's the first, um, it's the worldview that sees not just the, the the world, but you know the, the um, you know like uh, modernists want to clean up their countries and their backyards. That's their environmental program, and 
it, it works. Modern countries generally are pretty clean. Uh, traditional countries, not so much. When for postmodern, they see the whole planet as their home. You know, they're they're a citizen of the world. And I can remember when I was, I don't know, probably 15 or 16, and I announced to my family that I was a citizen of the world. And they didn't like it. They wanted me to be a citizen of the United States and the rest of the world, we're not so sure about. It's a lot of trouble out there. So that's the upside of this, you know, expanded consciousness. It is, absolutely. We want to bring in the people who have been left out in the other worldviews when we have that postmodern worldview. And the downside is that it too has a totalitarian aspect, as we can see, as you know, they sort of seek to, to uh, 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 redress the hierarchies, of, oppressive hierarchies of history by, in some ways, creating new ones. So, you know, it's a, always a mixed bag. Every one of these worldviews is full of human beings. I mean, let's just stop there, mm. you know. I think that sensitivity is is a is a it's a really 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 valuable attribute, but it's so easy to fuck it up. So, like, I I was a, I was a super sensitive postmodern spiritual man, you know, in my twenties. You know, you could you could have blow just blow, and I'd fall over. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so, you know, I'd kind of went a bit far at that point with it and become frankly wimpy. But the but sent the kind of the upside of sensitivity is, you know, being that canary in the coal mine, you know, that like modernity was streaming ahead with all of this progress. And then postmodernity is sensitive enough to see the precipice that we're running towards, you know, with environmental collapse. And it's like, whoa, you know the canary in the coal mine you know and it's and and that and inside yourself you know if you develop sensitivity you will develop things like a gut instinct for when danger's coming or a bad decision you know like you're about to get scammed on the internet or something you know but you've you've developed this sensitivity you're not just kind of plowing ahead with your plan you know mm -hmm. like oh, i'm going to do this thing on the internet it's going to work but but you've got this kind of gnawing feeling, you know, or let's say in a, in a spiritual sense, <clears throat> in terms of your practice, that sensitivity is your antenna for picking up the intelligence of, of, the, of the cosmos and, uh, and you know, sensitivity inside your body to all the different subtle energy sensations. Or, you know, when you think, when you talk about formless, sensitivity or to your own formless consciousness that's very very subtle and nuanced and you've got to be sensitive to pick that up you know if you're just if you don't have that sensitivity then you're kind of trapped in your thinking mind which is very much the mind of modernity you know and you could never get out of that so it's you know people think of sensitive oh that person's so sensitive you know it's like oh they're too sensitive well yeah you can be too sensitive but sensitivity is really really important and um you know cultures or people that have not built up a, a a deep relationship with their own sensitivity are just they just break stuff including yeah. themselves yeah <clears throat> no it's absolutely essential 
And um, and I think of it myself, just using myself as an example, uh, and lots of people I know, and I can see it in the culture at large. I mean, it's, you know, sort of one of the back pocket definitions that people use these days is emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but there's there's others, and it's, it's in, in, in a way bigger than that. But when I think of what has happened with Me Too and Black Lives Matter, which are two of the big postmodern emergence politically, I absolutely see women in a different light. My consciousness has been raised about the ways that I sexualize women. I'm a gay guy and I still did it, you know, and I probably still do, but I, I see more clearly. And, and, and it's, it's just a matter of, I see a woman and woman isn't the big factor. It's like, I actually see this person and there's a face and they're looking back at me and I see into them. And that, that woman uh, filter, you know, the windshield wipers continued to, you know, do their work. Same with black people, you know, same with people of different races and cultures. I'm absolutely more sensitive to them as human beings than I was before Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And so that is, you know, we want to let that in. Yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 I mean, I live, the culture I, is letting that in. I think there's a big cultural, emotional intelligence consciousness is being raised, and um, and it ain't pretty. That's you know, that's no. another thing we have to sort of accept is that the culture war is a real war, yeah. and it ain't pretty. And people want to win at all costs, and they demonize their enemies, and it's a nightmare. Uh, but and we can also uh, see what's fruitful. It's a real war within ourselves, too. Yes. You know, so it's like, you know, an example of that would be, I mean, I live in Dorset in England, and it's like just white people. And um, when anyone from a different ethnicity, you know, I see them in in, in the county I live in, it's like um, I can, I can, all these reactions come up inside me. And because I do a lot of meditation and stuff, you know, I kind of notice a lot what's going on inside me. And I kind of think, well, oh, wow, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a black person. Um, and then I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have noticed that. Or is it okay to notice that? Or do I talk, I mean, there's a, there's an amazing Ricky Gervais. Do you know Ricky Gervais? He did this oh, series yeah. called Extras. Yeah, yeah. And I was just, this woman uh, who was this kind of like, sidekick on this show and she really fancied this guy who was black but she just couldn't stop making references to being black (laughs) and things and it was it just made it already awkward and it was all because she was just so worried about it so but you know that's the kind of maybe the sensitivity spiraling out of control and you can bring that a light temper that vicious circle of sensitivity by bringing online the rationality of modernity or that sense of traditionalism of like, it's okay. I, you know, this is my land. I've lived, my family lived here for generations and you haven't lived here for generations, obviously. That's just a fact, it's just the way it is. You know, let's not beat around the bush. Um, but, you know, let's be humans together, but, yeah. you know, but but at the same time, let's not deny the fact that your history is is in Africa, in, you know, in terms of like hundreds of thousands of years back. Mine is is kind of in this, you know, and it's like this, that's not a bad thing, you know. It's uh, you know, put bring a bit of rationality to yeah. bear on that question. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 again, these are things to notice. It's like 
Um, it's like I'm gay. You know, that's, I don't want that to not be noticed or a factor. Uh, but I don't want to be the gay guy all the time. Mm. You know, we can, especially when you have a facility in the modern and postmodern worldview, people's history, ancestry, it becomes something that's interesting. It's not this positive. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it yeah. You don't want to ignore it. You don't it's like, to, you're not allowed to ask somebody about their family, you know, where, where, what, what's the journey of their family. Yes. It's a fascinating story. And in fact, it, it, there's, they, we've got, there's an ancient, ancient history with people asking with their, their, their families because in Papua New Guinea and, and African, uh, Somalia and places, all these tribes, when two people meet, they run back their ancestors until they meet, until they find one that's the same. And everybody memorizes like, you know, loads, loads of ancestors until you find a common one. And it's like, we're friends. You know, and um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, but I, I just thought of, um, I mean, I, I, you know, in that sense, we can run our ancestry all the way back to, you know, these hominids that came out of Africa, and we're all friends, really. Yeah, <laughs> if totally. you rewind it, yeah. I, I don't think we I can recite the whole story of it, but we actually do. You know, the yeah. meta story of it yeah. is, yeah, we we here we all are. I, I've got I've got an example of a sort of you know. A, in terms of spiritual practice, how this worldview thing, um, how I got in a bad situation and how things have changed because of accessing these three worldviews that in my 20s, I was very, very much identified with postmodernity. And I was studying shamanism and Eastern religions at university. And um, I, so, and, and I, I became really fixated on and obsessed with the world of shamanism magic alistair crowley um you know that that whole world and i got sucked right into it but i got sucked into it without any teeth so you know i was just like this kind of sensitive postmodern modern guy and i got sucked into like a kind of real life carlos castaneda well, you know, lots of psychedelics, shamanic practices, really wanting to merge with these ancient um, and some contemporary shamanic cultures and tribes and with all the evil spirits and, uh, you know, the, the, the evil sh shamans, you know, having battles with evil shamans and all of that kind of stuff. And um, it was... It, 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 my whole life wasn't just about that but this this was the the worst aspect of my life was that and <clears throat> so you know later um these shamanic psychedelic practices have continued to be part of my life um but i now have the teeth and armor of these other worldviews to take into there so for example rationality and modernity you know sam harris's mind imagine that that has become at like ariadne's thread for me you know ariadne was the she left the 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 thread inside the labyrinth so when was it theseus who went or perseus who went to fight the minotaur could find his way back out of the labyrinth um you know so Ar rationality has become my Ari ariadne's thread to get 
pull me back. It's, it's, it's actually a shamanic thing, you know, of like ascending back along the right path out of the underworld yeah. back to integrate this into your own life. So you, you come back a whole person, not a broken person. Um, and, <clears throat> um, you know, some of the, the traditionalist trust in divine intelligence and, um, you know, basically you know, trust in God, I, I have got this kind of trust now in just life and nature, the, the God, God, this goddess, the system, mother nature, all of this stuff in a way that like that pulls me back when I do these particular types of practices yeah. or, or even you know, forget psychedelic stuff. You know, if you get, get into these states of formless consciousness and awareness and meditation, you know, you can kind of drift off there and become untethered if you don't have these other things to pull you back. Um, you know, and, uh, I'm thinking of, if, you know, soul identification with postmodernism, you go into that formlessness, you become totally nihilistic about everything. You know, that's yeah. a, there's a danger there. And you, you need some of the, that kind of wholesome uh, granary bread from the traditionalism and, and some of that, you know, um, acidic quality of the rational mind to just uh bring you back down again wash off the crap all this kind of ideological crap you build up around your spiritual practices wash that away in this kind of bleaching of um the rational mind of modernity you know um so that you know for me that that that's been a been a been a major thing in, in in my life that a way that i've become more expansive i've got more tools in my toolkit more arrows in my quiver whatever you know it's just to deal with situations yeah. um and that's what that's why i'm really into this and i want to promote it for other people because you know it, just as a, as a survival strategy on the spiritual path you know to not become one of those casualties Oh, you know, one ought not uh, delve too much into magic and, uh, without a rational mind. Mm, well, uh, I've done it. I, it wasn't pretty. I'll tell you, it was uh, horrible. <laughs> and, and of course, both of these systems of thought deny the other. And, you know, rationality completely demystifies and dis disenchants magic. And yet, what is it? And this is a practice, and this is why I'm just having bodily thrill sensations listening to you talk what is it to be both rational and enchanted you know how what is it to, to see the world both ways even though they deny each other and then to, of course then to bring the sensitivity of of post-modernity in and the um you know the the greater you know, in post-modernity, we get real curious about the cultures and the spiritual practices of other people. And, and you know, we can kiss a lot of frogs. I did. I'm glad I did. You know, I, I, every one of those frogs turned into beautiful princes. And, um, and I love it. So to have all of that going on is you're just a bigger self you could deal yeah. with more you understand you know it's it's a it's far it's a far more alive place to be i think i think the way i would answer your question of um you know what is what is it to bring rationality and well 
what would you call the other you know magic enchantment bring those together is you don't need to solve that like an equation thank you yeah you know it's like uh you you, you could say it's a bit like a koan but that's a kind of a cliche bit of a cop-out that bring those things into yourself and then see what happens you know that's that's kind of what my approach to it is like not try and figure out oh how they all work together and mesh them just bring them into your life you are you know i know i've said you know that you are we are where everybody is multiple selves we are also one self too you know that that you're bring them bring it into yourself um see what happens you know and and, and you by bringing them into yourself you bring it into one place you know yeah. one body mind yeah. roughly yeah. um there's room inside us for all of these and you know i i read it there's a guy called majid nawaz who is a british pakistani guy he does a, has a radio show on lbc um which i listen to on uh, catch up every week and and uh, he um he's got a he holds a really good space on his radio show. So he has people from all of these three worldviews phoning up. Um, it's a, like a chat, call-in chat show. Uh, but he also gives his own little analysis on politics and stuff at the beginning. And then, then he opens it up for conversation. And I mean, he gets, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, you can sort of see these three worldviews coming in at him. And he fields it all in a way and one of his favorite expressions is come on guys you know let's hold more than one thought in our heads at the same time oh, it is possible God. you know and it's um um he has a great maxim that he quotes a lot it's, it's no, no idea is above scrutiny and no person is beneath dignity oh. and i think this this really applies to kind of what we're saying that you know it's none of the people in any of these worldviews are beneath dignity you know, uh, uh, and that's that kind of like ethical, moral uh, flow, you know, that we're in as spiritual practitioners. Um, but at the same time, you know, no ideas beneath scrutiny. You know, let's, it's like sticks and stones can break my bones, words that cannot hurt me. You know, it's like we can, we can, we can attack ideas and no one's going to, you know, I mean, okay, people do. People do die when you attack ideas sometimes, but you know, it's, it's a, not the, the, the status quo, is it? Yeah, I'm noticing uh, more and more of what you're talking about. Uh, what's, what's this person's name again? Majid Nawaz. Uh-huh, uh, in, in UK. Yeah, well, yeah, so he's, he's, from, he's from Britain. He's British Pakistani. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, I noticed the intelligentsia here in the States uh, not everybody for sure, and probably precious few ultimately, but there are more and more people who are getting that the people that we thought we could forget about, the traditionalists, and, and as we create this modern world, and you know, that they're not going to go away. And they're not going to be talked out of their worldview. They will accept, I mean, and that they have, like you said, passion and juice that would have them choose a you know a leader like donald trump or Boris you know, who's obvious a con man and and yet the re most religious people he's the biggest libertine ever and the religious people love him because he's 
fighting for them and taking no prisoners. And that's, they feel desperate, you know? And so they're part of the family, you know, they have to be let in. And uh, in that there's, there's a realization that it's not about judging other people's worldview, worldviews by the calculus of your own. Of course, they don't make any sense by your calculus, but to judge them by their calculus and to let that in. And I'm seeing more and more people getting that and I'm encouraged by it. Mm. I'm think, and I'm thinking of the, you know, our own inner tradition list that embarrassingly pops up every now and again, oh. you know. <laughs> Flag and all these, you know, I've, you know, example. Oh, yeah. The, well, the traditionalists, I mean, it, it, the it, cheer it, that comes to the eye when I see the flag, you know. Mm, yeah. And, and then it's like, you know, you it's like, oh, damn boy, damn boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, or, you know, to use a more sort of religious example, um, it's only, it's only, you know, in the last few years, I've actually been comfortable um, get, getting on my knees and praying to, I, because I, I grew up with, with God all the time. I, I tend to, to, to use God, I tend to pray to, to, to the goddess more than God, uh, just to counterbalance that upbringing. But, um, you know, it's actually just, so I, I feel I feel broken right now uh, and I'm just like a puddle on the floor in front of you and please help me you know it just I couldn't do that universal prayer right there there we go I could I just could not do that for years it, it just it felt dirty it, because it was like that traditionalist inside me was wanting to come up and you know it, it, the, the shadow work comes into this doesn't it you know it's like that your traditional shadow that you can't bear that yeah. kind of like the one you know they say there's no atheists in war you know that when <laughs> when 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 the shit hits the fan if you start praying don't worry about it. you know don't be embarrassed about yeah. it there's a part of you wants to pray and it, that prayer is going to work whether, whether you're believing in like the magical influence of some deity just praying if okay let's just look at it as from a psychological perspective um just admitting you are broken and defeated it doesn't matter if you're just howling into the wind you know it, it just that act itself helps you you know yeah, it's, it's, it's it's if, you, if you can't let yourself do that yeah. you're not firing on all cylinders yeah it's actually an upside of traditionalism they know how to surrender they know yeah. how to turn it over yeah, you know they know how to say I, I I can't do this. I need you. Yeah, that's really important. Mm -hmm. And yet our modern self will roll our eyes and you know I mean, that, that, that God that, that doesn't exist. But that's not going to do anything. And our postmodern self is cringing at this idea of getting on your knees and praying to God. You know. Yeah, well, it's, it's hierarchical. You know. Yes, that's exactly. Isn't it? It's like oh, patriarchy and all of the stuff yeah. that's associated with it. Rightly, you mm. know, they got a point. But here we are. And uh, so all three of those selves are activated. <laughs> and this is the culture, you, you brought us back to this a number of times, but the culture war that's going on within ourselves. Yeah. And one of the things about this, you know, uh, the spiritual path of integration is that when we allow each self to be who they are, just let them be. You know, we don't have to 
again, judge them by the, the calculus of the other two, uh, then we liberate them. Yeah. And so we could have our little poindexter modernist who's figuring everything out. And we can have our faithful, devout, you know, part that, uh, you know, is seen and loved by God. And then we can have the critical part that's taking it, you know, deconstructing it all at the same time. Those are no problem having all three of those. I, I really like what Steve McIntosh, um, he wrote this great book, which I imagine you've read, uh, called Developmental Politics. Yes. And, and he says that he describes that having these three major worldviews. I mean, I'll just say as a footnote, we have mentioned the sort of like shamanic magical worldview, which is a kind of slightly different thing, but that's not in play in the same way in our society, you know, the culture wars are made from these three main ones. But so he says that these three worldviews inside us are played like a chord of, of oh, notes. So it's, 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 it's so someone listening to this might think, oh, right. So I've got to just kind of like blend all of the, these three worldviews into some amorphous grayness inside myself, like a, just whiz it all up in the blender. But that's not what, I, what we're saying, uh, that, that you have the, the vivid, it's like a rainbow, you know, it's one thing, but it's made from these, these vivid colors or a chord is this rich sound that's made from three distinct notes. You know, and you're, you're, you're actually playing music with these three notes inside yourself. You're not making a wall of sound, you know, of just like everything all at once, all the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, mm. no, it's, it's, that's a, it's just a tr terrific analogy mm. because what is also added is beauty. Yeah, it's beautiful. Actually. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it it's all all the things we like about the beauty of nature, you know yeah. that kind of biodiversity, that that ecological self that we can become. You know, it's, we're not only an eco an ecology of trillions of bacteria all in our gut and living funguses and all sorts of things that live inside our bodies. We're an e ecology of worldviews, and it, it's enlivening and it's robust. I think, you know, that's the other thing is the, is the robustness of it in terms of your own strength of character. Um, you know, you, you're, you're not like a monoculture that, that's, that's uh, not resistant to disease. You know, we had a- Easily exhausted. Everybody's think, exhausted. You talk yeah, to yeah, people, they're all yeah. exhausted. Yeah, because, you know? because you're being, you know, if you're identified with, with particularly with one worldview, your buttons are being pushed over and over and over oh, and over well, and over and over and over well, every day, all day long, buttons push, push, push. And as you say, it breaks you down. But if you, if you can expand yourself to include these worldviews, if there's a button that's being pushed in one of them, you've got, you've got plenty of more rooms in your mansion to just like hang out in, yes. <laughs> weather that storm. Yes. Yeah. And you might even be able to see the point of view of the person who's pushing your button. Oh, totally. You know, oh, that's and, it. Um, it's like, yeah. oh, okay. That's one of the, I, I always love Trump Rinpoche, the Tibetan master who started Naropa came to Colorado back in the day. And he talked about that um, uh, suffering is the good news, uh, you know, within reason, of course. But when, when things, when you're contracting around resistance to a, a thing or a person, that is a sign to turn towards it. 
and to let yourself be, he would say, obliterated by it. I think that's a little strong, but you know, influenced by it, uh, mm -hmm. and not uh, and, and so that that itself is a practice, and uh, it's not easy. And I, I you know, I, 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 a lot of this is self observation, and you know, I watch myself snap back to my preferred perspective all the time, but I don't reify it like I used to. I don't justify it like I used to. I'm not as sure about it. I'm not as sure about much of anything as I used to be. That's sort of, I don't know if that's an upside mm. or a downside, well, but it, it's true. Yeah, maybe this could be the point, you know, the, the last point I make at least is, um, you know, we're not suggesting that you no longer have strong opinions on things. That, um, you know, for example, I strongly believe that all drugs should be legal. Um, but I can really understand the fear um, of, say, a traditional take on that, you know, that, uh, that you know, drugs are, are bad and they rot people's minds and all that and that they shouldn't be legal and they're too dangerous and all that, you know, I really, I, I can, I can feel that fear inside myself and I, and I respect it, I understand it, you know, and, and you know, so, um, but see, if I got into a conversation with a traditionalist about drugs and dr legalization, you know, one of the one of the one of the core principles of good relationships with people is when they feel safe in your company, like that they can tell that you respect them and that you actually understand them, you know. Like, uh, and so even, if, so even if, even if in those situations you're, you were saying, you know, they knew that your view was different to theirs, but that they knew that you, you respected them and they felt in this kind of post, I mean, it's feeds into this postmodern thing of like being seen, you know, by another person that just like takes down, it, it just cools down all those like systems in our biology that are just like, you know, we're going to run or is there a weapon nearby you know it's just like chills all that down and an actual communication can can take place and so you know that so there is this softening um around your you become far less ideological because you understand you you viscerally feel the um uh you know the fluidity the multiple multiple perspectives that can be brought to bear on any one thing um but at the same time, uh, you know, some of the people that inhabit this practice we've been describing really well are very, very strong, vigorous people with strong opinions about stuff and they get shit done. You know, it's, um, it, it, it's not an easy thing to describe that it's like, yeah. you've got to kind of do it to believe it. <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah, people well, that's, would that's think- actually well put, you do, really. People would think, that if you if you let all of this stuff in then you're just gonna have you'll just have no you won't stand for anything you'll have no moral spine or something like that that's not actually true it's a bit like that with tonglen practice in the tibetan buddhist practice where you you breathe in all the toxicity of human life and you purify it in your own body and you just breathe out 
kind of blessings and benefits to everybody. You know, it's like you look at that and you think, oh man, these people are going to get cancer and all of that. But actually they don't. And the only way you can know that is to actually do the practice, just do it. And the proof's in the pudding. Yeah, no, it's so true. You know, perspective taking, mm. you know. Yeah, the idea of opinion um, is, I think, you know, a good old spiritual teaching of non-attachment is, um, is really helpful here. It's acting with passion and being fully present and caring and putting your whole self into it, and then not being so attached to the outcome is a really, really just, you know, that's a good old spiritual practice that I think comes in handy here. And a part of it is, is that I do think that, um, you know, we're talking about a, a new worldview that incorporates and integrates these other worldviews is um, that there's something that is, you know, there's something that is deeply healthy about that. And what arises out of it is that we want all people to be healthy where they are. We're, we're not trying to colonize anybody anymore. Everybody gets to be who they are because we see that everybody's beautiful in their own way. There's exceptions, but for the most part. And every worldview is beautiful. And we want every worldview to be healthy. And there's healthy versions of all of these worldviews. And that there's just a natural integration that's happening because you know, it's what we were talking about a minute ago. Most of us live our lives, uh, some percentage of it on screen where we're being bombarded by these other worldviews. That's unless, and, unless you're on Facebook where you're just bombarded yeah, there you with your go. own worldview. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, again, there's a culture war. Uh, evolution is happening. Evolution is in some way, we both fight and friend our way forward. If we look at the trajectories of history that Steven Pinker laid out and continues. Mm. I mean, what's it going to look like when more and more people are able to op operate from multiple perspectives? I don't know, but uh, I'm excited to maybe see some of it. I'm seeing it in myself and with other people. Uh, so, um, you know, and I think, I think, you know, um, we can fight the unhealthy aspects of these worldviews yes. whilst befriending their, the best sides of them. Yes. You know, it's like, it's like tending a garden, you know, it's like, uh, it's just like that. Yeah. 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 Mm. Inside ourselves and out there in the culture, because we are all connected with the, 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 the there's no sharp division between inside and outside, is there, you know? our interior is as much made of the exterior of the outside world as it is vice versa. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, if we want to expand even this idea of diversity to include everybody, to include these different parts of ourselves is really the new practice. And it's absolutely a spiritual practice because it is expanding our identity and, um, and, and liberating us from uh you know basically conditioned mind patterns of thought mm. and that's a good thing yeah wow jeff that that raced by time flies when you're having fun oh my goodness <laughs> so it's um, 30 here yeah <laughs> I, I i love it doing interviews with people in america because it's like you know i'm going to be having supper soon and yeah. days just started. <laughs> um so People can find your podcast, The Daily Evolver, on 
I mean, I listen to it on Apple Podcasts, but it must be on Spotify and all the other places. Yeah, it's on all the podcast sites. Yeah. It's on uh, YouTube, yeah. uh, Daily Evolver. Um, and, um, and I have dailyevolver.com, which is my own website. And I think pretty much everything's there, including, you know, some sections on theory and so forth that I think people might find helpful if they're interested in this. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Um, All right. Thank a, you, Ralph. A, it's been a real honor. It really yeah. has. It has for me as well, and a great pleasure. Thank you, everybody. I made all the music that I use in my podcasts. If you'd like to hear more of my music, please visit SoundCloud and check out my profile, Ralph Crow.